JB, we're, uh, it's us again. Hi. Uh, you're probably sick of hearing from us uh, and seeing us, so we're going to jump to this one pretty quickly here. And Nick DiCarano uh, is a, an Endicott College kicker who really went lights out this season especially. And, uh, you know, 47-yarder, I remember him kicking during the season, and I'm like, wow, this guy is good. And to recognize it was probably you know, in the wind, not wind-aided, uh, and the lake he was able to put through a lot of these kicks throughout the last year plus uh, that we saw him in, and then even before that, because he was a D2 player at Pace for a little while as well. Incredible job he's done, and remember Coach Icernia back when used to tell us about Andrew Franks, the one position... Yep that you can draft out of D3 from because kicking is kicking when you really get down to it is place kicking. And here we go. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, uh, Nick not only had a great college career, but he, he made a name for himself in the, in the postseason by winning some special team awards at some all-star games. And so he's definitely on the scouts radar. Uh, and he tells us a little bit about that in this upcoming interview, but unfortunately uh, you know, he had to kind of, throw back to what Andrew Franks you know, used to have to do back when there really wasn't a lot of pro days for uh, Division three players, which is kind of, you know, make some tape uh, and, and kind of put yourself out there, um, you know, based on uh, on your skill set, because unfortunately pro days keep getting canceled and who knows if and when they'll have a chance to resume. So um, Nick is certainly a kid out there who has the, the talent to compete at a, at a pro level. It'll just be whether or not a team is willing to give him an opportunity uh, to, to come on board into a camp and, and show them what he's got. Well, he's not going to uh, go fishing much uh, based on what we understand uh, in this interview, or maybe he is now that uh, his football uh, career at Endicott is technically over, but uh, he's still a student there, and he tells us a lot about all that and a heck of a lot more here in this interview. Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, this has been, uh, as we keep saying, uh, a hellacious week in a lot of ways, and you're going to be uh, detailing, I think, some of the hellaciousness uh, that you've experienced from it. But we want to introduce you to folks that may not know uh, 100% about you uh, yet. Uh, you had a tremendous senior year, a tremendous uh, college career as a kicker, but a lot of people don't realize your journey did not start at Endicott. How did you get to Endicott and kind of take us through the idea of, I mean, at what point did you realize you may have what it takes to be a pro kicker? Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I've My journey is really crazy, honestly. Um, I grew up playing soccer my entire life. My dad played pro soccer in Italy. So growing up, my two older brothers and I were a big soccer family. Um, I played in high school. I played in high school for three years. I ended up my senior year. Um, I had hip surgery going into my sophomore year. So I have two screws in both of my hips um, to for skiffy. Uh, it's like a genetic disorder with my femur. So now my, my femurs are pinned in place. Um, so after that injury, it, it kind of was long lasting with soccer. I lost a lot of my skill. I was in a wheelchair for, um, quite some time, a couple months Then I was on crutches, everything like that. So I lost a lot of time and then I ended up saying, you know what, I want to try something new. Um, and I started playing football my senior year. The, the team needed a kicker. Um, I, I was just really interested in it. I always thought it was really cool, like watching NFL games and seeing what these guys did. I ended up playing. Uh, my senior year of football, I had two field goals. I made both of them. Um, my first PAT ever 
I missed it. I kicked it short. Um, so it's to put it in perspective, I think I've come a pretty long way from that point. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. And then after my senior year, um, of high school, I really wanted to play college football. I really just wanted to keep pushing myself, um, whether it was at the division three, division two, if, if I could have walked on D1, I, I probably would have. Um, but at that point I was still really, really raw. There was a lot of kids who would go to these ranking camps like Coles and Chris Saylor, and they were five-star kickers, and they were they they were better than I thought I, I would ever be. Um, so I had to be really realistic with myself. I thought that I could play Division three ball, so I ended up contacting Endicott when the old coaching staff was here. Um, they were interested, but I wasn't really sure about it, so... At that point, I was like, okay, like Endicott's my number one pick. Like they, they've shown me a lot of interest. Um, I want to go there. My sister is an alum. She was a goal. But then I ended up getting a call from Pace University saying, hey, we're, we're really interested. Um, you know, we'd, we'd love to have you up on campus. So I ended up going on campus. I met Coach Rondeau. Um, at the time, the person who recruited me was Coach Hawk. And really, they just said, you know, we're, we're looking for a guy just to walk on, um, to come in, to compete. You know, at that point, I was really undersized. I probably was, um, you know, to put it in perspective now, now I'm almost six feet tall, almost 180 pounds. But back then, I was probably 5'8", five, 5'9", five, 140 pounds. So again, I was, I was really late with developing. I was a lot smaller, um, you know. So I ended up taking that preferred walk on to Pace University. I went there and it, it was a culture shock. I've never, I remember walking into to camp my freshman year and just looking at how big everyone was. And I, I was just like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Um, again, to put it in perspective, my first lift of college was the first time I ever benched before. Um, it was the first time that I ever benched I ever squatted, I ever did any of that, um, because my high school wow. team, I ended up joining so late that I missed all the lifts, so yeah. So it was a culture shock, um, so I ended up going to Pace, yeah, I ended up going to Pace, I made some really amazing friendships there, um, me and a couple guys in the freshman class were like absolutely inseparable, um, to this day I still talk to them even though as a whole, and I'll get into it, we all ended up transferring um, together. But so I ended up going to Pace um, in fall camp. I competed with one or one or two other kickers. And every week I just saw my name go up on the depth chart, which was crazy because I didn't have a big leg, but I knew if I could make every single kick inside 45, then they wouldn't be able to ignore me. And that's exactly what I did. If you asked me my freshman year to make a 47-yard field goal, I don't know if I could have made it. But inside 45, I was not going to miss. And that's what I worked on all summer. That's what I worked on going into there. So I went in there. I ended up earning the starting spot as a walk-on. Um, I beat out a scholarship kicker. And it was just fun. To me, like, I was just having a blast, like, loving the process. Just going out there and competing every day was just so fun because everything was so new. It was so fresh. Um, I ended up – I did pretty well my freshman year. You know, it, it, it was just a blast. We ended up my freshman year going 0-11, so you know that was kind of hard for me. Um, we, I think we were considered like one of the lowest 
teams in Division Two. But again, everyone, it, it was a different culture around there. There was a lot of kids. It, it was, at least to me, it was really split. There were some kids who were just really fed up and really upset. And that's just how it goes, you know. Um, and there's other kids who bought in because of the coaches and they trusted the coaches. And if you look at Pace's record now, they went from 0 and 11 four years ago to now, I think, 9 and 2, 9 and 3. So, you know, they, they grew and they became a great team. Um, going into my sophomore year, um, I was on scholarship. I got put on an athletic scholarship towards the end of my fall season as a freshman. And then during my sophomore year, um, it, it was just a culture thing at that point. So it ended up after my freshman year, all of my friends ended up transferring. Um, and those were five of my closest friends. They all ended up leaving and transferring. They didn't want to be there. Well, they either quit or transfer. And then a lot of other kids that I was close to, they were just, like, really upset about the season and um, about, like, the, the hard work that they put in and, and the success on the field and whatnot. So, to me, it made it really hard for me because kicking is already a very lonely position. Um, so, at that point, I, I didn't really have my friends. You know, I was, like, I, I just started treating football like a full-time job. I just started lifting more, eating more, trying to get bigger, trying to get stronger. But, again, I, I just wasn't that happy. Like genuinely, I could, I, I immersed myself in the process so much, but I wasn't taking time for Nick and like, you know, thinking what makes me happy. So I ended up, um, I wasn't happy. And it just so happened that my head coach at the time mentioned to me that the head coach of assumption was leaving to go to Endicott. I'm like, Oh, that's so funny. You know, like I, I was going to go to Endicott, like as a freshman, you know, and he told me, yeah, well, they're getting rid of the entire staff at Endicott. He's bringing a lot of guys with him, from what I've heard. So in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I think this might be a sign. Like, I've always loved Endicott. I was going to go to Endicott. I ended up thinking about it more. Um, and I said, I'm going to finish out the season, but I'm, I want to go through spring ball and see how I feel. I went through spring ball, and I just kind of knew. Um, and I personally, like, I'm big into character and I just didn't think it would be fair of like me and my teammates to like, for me at least, to go out there, to train with them, to lift with them. And I wasn't bought in. I, I just didn't think that was fair. So I ended up um, quitting during my sophomore year of spring ball and I contacted Endicott right away and I just said, you know, like, this is who I am. I actually played against you guys um, at Pace. You know, I really love the opportunity to come. I got in touch with Coach Hook, who is no longer with Endicott, but um, he was awesome. He invited me up for a visit. I went up for a visit, and I absolutely fell in love automatically. I'm a huge fisherman, um, which actually ended up getting me into a little trouble. I'll, I'll tell you guys that story a little later on. Um, <laughs> but I went up to Endicott, and I loved it. The the beaches, the people, the coaches, the, the culture, everything. I, I just knew it was a fit. Um, and they also had a kicking coach there too, Coach uh, Tad Biker, who was a two-time All-American at Assumption. He was going to train me every day. So it, it was, I was sold. I was sold. I ended up telling Endicott that day, like, I'm, I'm coming, I'm sold. Like, that's that's the end of it. Me I, I, I got to interject for one I second am. there, Nick. I got to yeah. interject for one second. We, we want to remind folks you're on in the huddle. The Nick DiCarano story is a, a great one here. Uh, but, you know, Endicott in fishing. I, I don't want to lose this story <laughs> before we no, go I'll too get into far. It. Basically, 
I love to fish. That's like my, that's my happy place. That's what I do whenever I'm stressed out or I just want to like, you know, just get away from everything. Um, so I ended up bringing a fishing pole to camp. Uh, I walked in with it and one of the coaches saw it and he goes, what are you doing with that? Like, oh, like I love to fish. And he thought I was joking. So no one said anything about it. So it was around eight o'clock. Um, I didn't have a meeting that night. So I figured I might as well go fishing in the pond on campus. And I ended up, I'm walking to the pond on campus and this car drives right past me, stops, backs up, and it's my head coach. And we exchanged some words and he basically told me, go to bed, uh, moral of the story, go to bed. I went back to bed and the next day there was a new rule that nobody is allowed to fish and he never thought in his entire coaching career that he would have to say that. So. <laughs> yeah, then I was known as kind of a, the kid who liked to fish. They didn't really know what to think of me at that point. So <laughs> I kind of had to build up from there. Um, the junior year was awesome. I didn't really know what to expect. It was definitely different being with a new snapper and holder. Um, Brendan Johnson is unbelievable. I, I would put my life on the line to say he's the best Division three holder, maybe even probably one of the best holders in the entire country. Um, for all divisions. I've I've never seen someone with hands like his. Um, Ryan Nelson, my snapper, fantastic. He he's he's really, really consistent. So it was a good it was just a good op. We were in a great flow. I ended up I think I was twelve for thirteen as a junior. Um, I got AP All American, uh, D three football all American, all that, which was awesome. To me it was it was just a dream because I was just going out there and the coaches really helped me to get away from the mindset of like Oh, I want to be I want to be really good at kicking. Like that was my mindset. And we changed that to I want to be really good at being disciplined when I go to practice, doing the right things, eating. Things that I can control, I needed to focus on. Things that cuz I can't necessarily control the snap and the hole, but I can control everything else. And if I can maximize my chances of being the best athlete I can be, then we're going to we're going to set ourselves up for success. And that's what happened. Um I'll never forget, we played against Curry. Coach sent me out for a 47-yarder into the wind. And I looked at my holder as we were going out there. I'm like, is this a fake? Like, did he not tell me? And he's like, no, like, we're, we're going for it. I was like, all right, like, I guess we're going to go for it. And, uh, yeah, I went out there. I made it. I was very, very happy. The, the film shows me being <laughs> very happy about it. Um, but, again, it just kind of got to the point where, like, I not only had, like, the trust in my holder and snapper and all the guys on the line who again did such a fantastic job it was the team started really trusting me um to the point where when i went out for a field goal they would get the kickoff team ready so that that to me was like the the best moment of my life like going out there kicking and then coming off to the sideline and i received the kickoff team like ready to go um Junior year was awesome at that point after getting all american a couple kicking coaches reached out to me and said like Hey, you know, like you're really, really consistent. You definitely have to work on how strong your leg is, but you know, consistency is, is harder than getting a big leg, at least in everyone that I talk to's opinion. Um, did that, trained over the summer. I actually stayed at Endicott over the summer, lifted with Coach Dustin every day. He got me a lot stronger, a lot bigger, a lot faster, everything. So everything was really falling into place. Um, senior year. The team was looking amazing. We we played amazing. We had the best season in Endicott history. We won the New England Bowl. Um, I had two kicks blocked. 
And um, in total, I had a couple misses, which I, I were on me. Um, it was just kind of sometimes when you kick, there's things that you're supposed to focus on, but I was focusing on different things with my swing, everything like that, which I got all figured out, all fixed. Um, senior year was awesome. Um, I got some really cool accolades, which again, were nice, but again, I was more so just focused on winning a ring. I just wanted to win a championship with my team and we ended up doing that. So to me, that that's, that's the best thing that I could have asked for. It didn't matter to me if I missed every field goal. If my team won a ring, genuinely, I would have, uh, I would have been thrilled. Show the hoodie. Um, Show the hoodie. <laughs> yeah, I will. Always, always got to represent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just going to ask about your, you know, experiences. Um, I think after the New England Bowl, I think you came down here to Florida um, and participated in yeah, some, uh, yeah, postseason senior bowl kind of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I ended up right after my senior year. I got contacted by the National Bowl, the Dream Bowl. And then I got invited to play at the CGS. Um, I was hoping that I could have gotten an NFLPA or an East-West Shrine. But um, a lot of the competition that I went against, they had better percentages and they were Division One players. So I understood. Um, I can't say I wasn't disappointed because I love going into those things and just competing, especially when everyone thinks that I'm an underdog. But I ended up going to the National Bowl first down in Florida. Um, it was an awesome experience. I had a couple NFL teams down there watch me kick. Um, I had five teams, I think, line up to watch me kick towards the end of one of the first or second practices. And to me, that was just surreal. Um, I, I was just in total shock, but I was also just locked in. Um, there's a clip on my Twitter. I ended up hitting a 54-yarder right, right in front of all of them with a good amount of room to spare. Um, and, that, and that was awesome. After that... I got, I actually got an email um, from an NFL team asking, basically they just sent me a Google doc. It was 10 or 11 pages with all my information from, you know, who's, who do I think is the toughest player on the team? What do I think my best attributes are? Everything, every, any question in the world was on that Google doc. So I filled that all out. I was, I was excited. I was ecstatic. I had a, an NFL team email me with my name on it. And it said at the bottom, you know, so-and-so scouting. So I was like, you know, at that point, I, I, I didn't even know what to say. Um, after that, I went to the CGS. The CGS was awesome. Um, I competed against a lot of Division One guys, um, some probably some of the best kickers in the draft, to, to, be, to be totally honest. Um, the way the CGS was set up was that it was a live snap and hold. Um, the teams all, there was probably on the field, at least I would say 15 to 20 teams all lined up. Um, and beforehand it was, it was a little intimidating seeing the names that were on that list. Um, and I kind of talked to one of my coaches about it. I'm like, you know, like we're going to get some like really big names. And he's just like, it doesn't matter. He's like, they're not there when you kick, all you got to do is focus on yourself. Yeah. So that's what I did. I went out there. Uh, I think I only missed two kicks. I missed a, a 43 on the left hash, and I ended up missing a 58. And the 58 was a bonus, so you had to make the 50. I think you go to uh, 52 or 53 and then 55 and then 58. So okay. I ended up making all those. Um, I believe I came in second from a consistency standpoint. The, the person who came in first was the kicker from Mississippi State. He, he was phenomenal. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, he was a, 
uh, all combo guy, so he could punt, kick, and kick off. He was fantastic. Um, so it, it was awesome because the way that I placed as a Division three guy, I beat out so many Division one kids. I beat out some of the biggest names in, in Division one. I, I, I was beating out kids who had interviews with scouts before and ended up charting better. And it, it was just awesome. You know, it, it wasn't even about me beating them out, but it was about me just saying to myself, like, look at how far I've come from kicking a PAT short to now I'm hitting a 58-yard field goal right down the middle in front of NFL teams. So I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, I, I couldn't ask for anything more. It helped that the snapper and the holder that I had were just lights out um, at the CGS. They were phenomenal. Sure. So then after that, I went to the Dream Bowl. Um, the Dream Bowl was really cool. It was really cold. <laughs> it was in Virginia. <laughs> it was really, really cold. Um, I ended up getting special teams MVP of the National Bowl and the Dream Bowl. So both bowl games that I went to, I got special teams MVP, which was awesome. Um, I had one team ask about me. I think they wanted to interview me, um, but I don't, I don't, you know, sometimes people get caught up in things and it's also, I'm a kicker. I'm not a very sought after, you know, like phenomenal wide receiver, a skill position guy. Um, but I, I do know that there were one or two teams asking about me, um, wanting to know who I was, things like that. After that, um, I kind of went home. I got to decompress a little because all those games are really close in, in time. I, I just want to jump in one second, uh, Nick, and uh, yeah. let folks know also uh, you were talking about the CGS, um, which is the College Gridiron Showcase. Mm -hmm. uh, there, yeah. There's also the Small School Showcase. Later in the week, we're going to be having interviews uh, that we have done did back in, uh, I want to say February or uh, late January, with David Tamaro, who actually was in the Small School Showcase uh, from Johns oh, nice. Hopkins, and Mike Riddleman, uh, who was... Uh, one of the uh, main organizers of yeah, uh, both showcases. Yep. So mm -hmm. uh, stay tuned for those later in the week here on In the Huddle yeah. to learn more about uh, that event, uh, especially. You're uh, going into uh, actually the next line of question I had. So let me uh, kind of uh, focus you on uh, exactly where I'd like to go with it, which is we are kind of doing a coronavirus special here. And uh, your life, unfortunately, is taking an odd turn because of it. And uh, you know, why don't you tell folks what was set up next? What was what were your next steps essentially? Why you were going to go in that route, and what's happened since? Um, so I had a pro day scheduled at Holy Cross for March twenty fourth, uh, but because of the coronavirus and everything, um, everything is shut down from the. The NHL, the NBA, the NFL pulled all their scouts off the road. Excuse me. So the pro day is essentially right now canceled. Um, I'm not sure what the NFL has in place to if they're going to have us make it up, if there's going to be one big pro day where everyone goes and competes. I I'm not sure. Um, but I do know is that, you know, wh whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Um, I can control right now how I train, how I work things that I'm doing. And that's why I'm making the sacrifice of staying at school instead of being at home with my family. Um, just because I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with the process. I just want to get better, bigger, stronger, faster. Um, my agent said that we might set something up to where, you know, we'll just have continuous film rolling, 10 ball set, just like the pro day. And we'll send it to every team. Um, I think not just for kickers, but I think for everyone else involved, that's a great idea that they should do. Um, 
Well, it sounds kind of like uh, that's that's basically what uh, Andrew Franks had to do about five yeah. years ago when he was uh, auditioning. I mean, I don't think there was necessarily a pro day scheduled at RPI. I know uh, yesterday was like the five-year anniversary of uh, Ali Marpets at Hobart, but you know, pro days and D3 guys is really sort of a new thing. You actually right. got to speak with Andrew uh, recently. Um, tell us a little bit about that conversation, what he had to tell you about his experience kicking in the NFL and then you know, in the XFL up until the point when the you know the season was suspended because of all this you know, coronavirus stuff. Yeah, so I, um, you know, Frank was able to get me in touch with Andrew Franks. Um, Andrew's a great guy. I remember I actually have kicked with Andrew. He probably doesn't remember at um, a kicking camp going into my senior year. So I knew who he was and I saw him kick and I was absolutely blown away um, already. And he's just got a massive leg. He's so consistent. He's so smooth, everything. Like he, he's everything you want in, in an NFL kicker. Um, Andrew just told me that, you know, as a division three guy, we're definitely against the odds just because we play division three. But um, the, divi the, the division we play at doesn't define us. I've seen division three kickers that are better than division one kickers. I've seen division three slot receivers that are better than division one slot receivers. It's, I, I don't think it's definitive of who you are as an athlete. Andrew said that, you know, his journey was really, a lot of it was up in the air and it's really like mine. Um, a lot of times there's just radio silence. You're not hearing anything. A lot of team scoutings are just really focused on other players, other things. Um, a lot of teams have their guys that they like, and you need to show that, you know, number one, I deserve your attention, but number two, I deserve to be on your team. And he really put it in perspective because he said, you're not just competing with this incoming class of kickers. You're competing against this incoming class, every single free agent, every single veteran, yeah. everyone. So instead of thinking yeah, that I'm true. competing with, you know, 15 guys per se that are phenomenal kickers coming out of this draft, I'm really competing against probably 100, which to me, it's right. like, okay, I got I to gotta kick it up a notch. I thought, you know, I, I definitely know I was working really hard, but now, I, you know, I'm staying, I'm staying on school, on campus by myself, all, all by my lonesome. Everyone else is, is going on spring break, but I'm here working. So again, no. those are the things that... And he also said that too, you know, you need to be able to make sacrifices. You need to be able to say to yourself, this is what I want. This is the dream that I want to achieve um, and everything like mm -hmm. that. But and really yeah, great I, guy. I, I can't say enough good things about him. I want to add uh, also JB is, uh, is uh, instrumental in putting you in touch with him, uh, it, reaching out to his aunt, Amy Kuhn, who's a big fan of our show uh, over the years. So thanks to Aunt Amy, Amy for that. Uh, <laughs> She's thank the best you very too. much, Amy. <laughs> And uh, we do appreciate uh, all the uh, time that Andrew's uh, given up. Uh, we Not the first time we put him in touch with some folks, and he's always been gracious with his time. So thank you to Andrew for that. You're just about to hit the uh, next uh, question, so uh, we'll just roll with it here. Um, you know, you are alone on campus, quote-unquote, and uh, you're going to be alone on campus for a little bit longer than people would have anticipated uh, probably because of what's happened. This is your senior year. You have not graduated early, uh, from what I understand. And so... This is, you know, for the couple of years you've been there, this is your class, and it's got to feel awkward right now. Uh, your, your teammates are some of your biggest proponents out there, and so you've obviously formed a great bond with these guys, and 
Now you may not see them for an official graduation type scenario, or if you do, it's going to be after a really long hiatus compared to what you would expect in the spring because of coronavirus. How's it feel? How's everybody taking it right now? And I mean, you're a big optimist, I can tell. For the <laughs> folks out there that might not be as optimistic, you know, shed some light on this whole situation at the end of the day. I mean, uh, first and foremost, I, I couldn't imagine being a, a senior athlete and losing my last season. Um, I, I just can't even fathom it. Um, and not even for college guys, but high school guys too. Um, it's honestly devastating. We're in uncharted waters, I think, regarding everything with the coronavirus, um, with how easily it spreads, everything like that. But my teammates are really torn up about it. Um, I know it's definitely going to impact them, some of the younger guys too, with lifting and schedules and things like that. Um, you know, our, our coaching staff has things in place to make sure that we're getting better over break. But it's also like, to take it away from an athletic standpoint, I think everyone else too like is, is really impacted by it. I know it's really hard for some people to, to leave school and have to leave school when some some people aren't fortunate enough to, to have a home to go back to or a home with adequate Wi-Fi or things like that where they can take online classes. Um, I think the NCAA did a great job giving that this year back to athletes. I think that's the right thing to do. But it, it just breaks my heart knowing that um, – you know, a lot of people are being affected by this. And on top of it, I've kind of come to terms with myself saying that if I need to sacrifice my pro day to make sure that someone else's grandmother, father, you know, someone they love is safe, I'm okay with that, honestly. Uh, I, I totally accept that. I think it's the right thing to do. I think everyone just needs to focus on their health and being safe. I think football is always going to be there. I think you can always make up a pro day, but you can't make up days with someone that you lose. So that that's just my take on yeah. it. And I think this is something that should be taken real seriously. Well, one of the things you were taking real seriously, what we were talking about before we kind of officially got into the recording of this is, um, you know, you're basically kind of self-isolating yourself from your family. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like you have a sibling who, uh, whose health is a little bit compromised and they just didn't want to risk anything. So you're just basically yeah. you know, staying up there in Beverly kind of doing your thing, getting ready for whatever NFL or, or pro opportunity, uh, you know, provides itself. But tell us a little bit about, you know, your reasoning about basically, you know, I mean, just not, not going home uh, to see your folks and, and, and your, your siblings. Yeah. Um, so my sister is immunocompromised. Um, I'm at the highest risk population of contracting the virus because I take mass transit every day. I work Monday through Thursday in Boston. So, because I work there, I take mass transit every day. I'm around thousands of people. And with the way that the period is with the virus, that it doesn't show symptoms for up to three weeks or even two weeks, um, it's just in everyone's safest bet to just have me, you know, stay here, whether it be a week, a week and a half, and then I can go home maybe. But right now, I just want to keep everyone safe, especially my, my sister and my family. Um, they're like the two most important people to me. Nick, uh, I just got to be honest with you. I, and some people will be like, boy, uh, he's, he, there must be a little Italian in you because you can tell a story better than uh, most. Uh, there's, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and trust me, people tell me that all the time, and uh, I get it. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm don't worry. I'm moving my hands down here. I don't know if you guys can see them. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. 
But, uh, I mean, your story was even, I didn't even know the stuff about before college and, uh, you know, the screws and uh, all that stuff that you were telling us about and what you yeah. have to overcome to go to this point. It's unbelievable to me. And, you know, I, I hope that somebody out there in the NFL realm gets to see this, to understand, you know, they're always talking about the morals of uh, the uh, players that they, uh, you know, draft or sign because they don't want any train wrecks, uh, you know, going out there. If nothing else, you've shown here you're a quality individual who's, you know, determined to succeed. And that's a credit to you and all the work that you've put into everything along the way. And your coaches have done a great job, obviously, along the way. And Coach McGonigal, with the no fishing policy, obviously, has helped immensely with that. But um, <laughs> Yes, it did. It did. <laughs> but, but, I really but, you appreciate know, that. Who, who would have known back, uh, you know, months ago when I made that fateful prediction of Becker versus Endicott, that we would end up having a conversation like this probably because of it at the end of the day because you and I actually started probably. messaging around that time yeah. to sort of be like hey I, I was admitting to you I'm okay with the jokes at my expense because Lord knows it ain't the first time it won't be the last time yeah. won't be the last nope that's for sure but <laughs> but you know we, we everything kind of comes full circle here and I really and truly and JV does too I know wish you the best but before we let you go obviously I'm going to kind of get comfortable in my chair because I have a feeling there are quite a few shout-outs coming from Nick DiCarano right now. Nick, you know how it goes. You've watched our show before. Shout-outs, go ahead. Oh, man. I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, you know, I really, really appreciate it. Um, the biggest thank you of all, especially on my journey, even, even if it's cut short, um, just thank you to my family. They've, they've always supported me. The, the coaching staff at Endicott has helped me make unbelievable strides in my character um, and in my work ethic, everything like that. All, all my success goes to my teammates too. Um, you know, I said on Twitter that when I did get a pro day, it's not my pro day, it's our pro day um, because I'm going out there representing Endicott. I'm not going out there representing myself. Everyone's just had a part in this. Um, I haven't done this by myself. I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. There's so much stuff that has gone on behind the scenes to just make me a better athlete, to accommodate what I need, whether it's field time or, or different weightlifting schedules, things like that. Like Those are the things that are setting me over the edge to become good enough and to be good enough to compete with the guys in the NFL. Um, but again, my the, the support I get from Endicott is unbelievable. I I can't thank everyone enough for honestly everything. Man, I I, you know, I, I, have I to, don't even know where to go with that. Go ahead. Well, you know, one of my favorite one of my favorite off season photos was probably one of Nick's when he he had that. You know how Endicott has like the sort of like the Philadelphia Eagles style, you know, with the with the winged helmet, and it was like on the beach in front of a condo in Daytona. It was like an iconic, yeah. like classic. A picture, I love that. And and Nick, one quick question I had was, we've heard you referred to as the Deke by your teammates. Where did that uh, where did that nickname come from exactly? Was that something one of your holders or you know one of the guys on the team? Uh, yeah. With? I so, mean, I've, I've had a hard time saying Deke Carano the whole you know last yeah. few years. Frank keeps correcting me, but Deke, <laughs> I can get. It. Yeah. So funny enough, nobody calls me Nick. I'm only referred to as Deeks. Um, Deeks comes from my last name. The first three letters is Deke, Deke Carano. 
Um, so everyone just calls me Deeks. Uh, my Twitter name was Deeks going into Endicott, and I think people thought it was like kind of funny, but it, it stuck. Everyone at Pace called me Deeks, um, even my coaches there. And everyone here calls me Deeks too. Um, even someone from Public Safety asked me, uh, they were like, oh, are, are you Deeks? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. So I haven't been referred, I'm only referred to as Nick really by by my mom and, and people who don't like By us, right? Me. We got to change yeah. the line on the thing below to just get rid of that <laughs> you know, Nick thing. Just be Deeks, Frank, come on. <laughs> how, do, yeah. how do we spe- wait? How do we spell it exactly uh, in this uh, respect? D E D E K S. D E E K S. There you go. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Perfect. Well, nonetheless, Deeks, uh, we wish you luck. <laughs> Stay in touch. Keep us updated, yeah, well. and we will uh, we will look for you in the pros. Don't forget us about us, little guys. Once you get there, Never. okay? Never ever. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate it. Again, having me on your show. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again to Nick uh, for his time. Uh, Deeks. Deeks, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, look, uh, in a couple places he was obviously, uh, you know, long-winded on his journey, but that journey is something that I, be as long-winded as you want to be about it. Absolutely. No, I, I, I it's a welcome change because a lot of times, you know, we get, you know, in these sports shows, you get the, like the one or two <laughs> sentence answer and you're like, you know, we have pulling pull teeth it to out. get information. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, he, uh, he, it, it has been quite a, a ride from it for him from like, you know, just try, kind of converting from soccer to hip surgery to missing his first ever PAT and then, you know, nailing 50 plus yarders in, in, um, you know, postseason showcase games. So, I mean, he's come a long way in a short period of time. He's got a great attitude, um, you know, particularly you know, given uh, you know what the odds you know he's up against, and um, you know, currently in the situation with the with the virus out there, he's taking care of himself. He's taking care of his family, um, and so you, know, you got to give you know he's he's matured a lot in a short period of time. Uh, seems like a great young man, and we certainly be interested to to watch his his story continue, uh, as uh, as it was kind of told to us uh, today. Uh, he brought up that college gridiron showcase. We're going to talk about the small school showcase and college gridiron showcase on Tuesday when we uh, have a couple interviews from that. But next up will be Saturday, March twenty first. Coach Jimmy Robertson, the new head coach at FDU Florham. Uh, will be joining us uh, to talk about his experience uh, with the Devils uh, as an assistant coach for a little bit, uh, but also assistant coach at Merchant Marine Academy before that under Coach Toop. What he learned from uh, all the coaches that he's been uh, working with or under throughout the years and uh, how coronavirus is affecting the Devils. Uh, Again, don't know when things are going to resume exactly, and if they don't resume this spring, uh, obviously, a lot of things change for a lot of teams, and he'll explain his position and thoughts on that. So come back on Saturday here on In the Huddle.